I think we're good to go. I think we're good work. to go. Super. Duty. Tough. Tough. Work. Work. Yeah. Back in the building. In the place to be. 2021. How my lighting? How my light? My light good? Oh, you, you look great. Saying? You look great. Look at, look at nice and, you know, shiny. <laughs> this your best ever. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I could tell you've been making some subtle improvements over there. Yeah, you know, man, I've been working. You know, saying you know how I do. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I figured in time we would do it, and you would just keep updating your formulas. You know, yeah, what I'm elevating. You know, what I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. see, we have formulas. <laughs> you know, what we do, we update our formulas. You know, you know? <laughs> it's like the formulas hand gesture. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like you trying to make a Rubik's Cube or some shit <laughs> it's the formulas hand signal but yeah we got formulas you know we just trying to bring it more and more crispy man you know it's uh, it's it's 2021 we've been doing uh, I think this is actually probably like our fifth year yeah so technically I think you joined January of 2016 yeah we've been doing this a while man yeah so uh, you know we only been doing video like two years mm-hmm. and so this year you know, we were trying to make some slight changes to make things easier on everybody. And uh, this is one of the changes, you know, and so yeah. far ain't nobody complained. It looks pretty crispy. So it seems like it's being well received. Word. You know, so this week, the most infamous podcast on planet Earth, Super Duty Tough Work. We're going to talk about MF Doom. MF Doom. May he rest in peace. All caps. All when caps. You spell the man's name. Exactly. You know, <laughs> um, a lot of people, you know, typically people are going to do like tribute episodes. Uh, people are going to talk about, you know, his music. And uh, we want to make sure that we do it like we do it here. You know? Yeah. The super duty. You know what I'm saying? The super duty way. Because we got to how we would do it. Exactly. Yeah. No yeah. one's going to do it how we would do it. Right. And so like uh, uh, about, I don't know if it was even a year ago, but several months back, we did an episode called The Marketing Genius of Run the Jewels. Right. And that episode was pretty damn popular, mm-hmm. um, especially among artists who saw stuff but didn't really understand the inner workings of what goes on behind the scene. Right. And so with Doom, I think that understanding uh, the marketing genius behind it leads a lot of insight into how smart he was. Right. And it's a lot of things that people may have saw, but not really put all together to see how this equaled like the success he had. Mm -hmm. And so this episode is going to be called the marketing genius of MF Doom. And uh, we're going to break down several traits, kind of like, I do in the book. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The 10 traits. You know if, you, what I mean? if you ain't got it, get it. But uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, we're going to break down some traits and then we're going to get into it. And uh, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. We got you stuck off the realness. The most infamous. You heard of us. Official podcast murderers. The show comes equipped with few points to share. Grown man ideas for all those who care and want to grow. So go ahead and download every single week with a brand new episode. You're not alone in this world, cousin. So we share information and honest discussion and keep repping the culture like we supposed to. They spread gossip, but they never come close to. I can hear it inside their tone. They talk about the industry but never left their home you get laced up 
with bullet points and such plus empowering topics that they never would touch you can put your whole network against the team but super duty tough works the mvp most valuable podcast on mp3 priceless info but all of it's free so take these words home and think them through super duty tough work is coming at you now listening to Super Duty Tough Work with your host, Blueprint, raw and uncut, adult conversations, no shucking, no jiving, and no bullshit. Alright folks, we back. Work. Super Duty Tough Work, bringing it to y'all, the marketing genius of MF Doom. If you're an artist, if you're a small business owner, entertainer, who cares? Whatever you do, if you're creative in any way, shape, or form, this episode should hopefully prove to be kind of helpful to you in understanding some of the genius that was MF Doom. So, yeah. the first thing we're going to talk about with Doom is reinvention. Yeah. Now, what newcomers or latecomers to Doom did not know was that Doom started his career as a member of kmd mm -hmm. uh and his name then was zev love x yeah when you think about doom's career he was probably late teenager early 20s when all of this was going on this was like early 90s you know what i'm saying um he makes yeah, the first time the first time i heard him was on the uh the um the third base third base yeah yeah that was his big his big cameo and what people may forget about that era was all of the dopest new rappers kind of were introduced through these big cameos because features yeah. weren't as as prevalent then. Thanks. So you look at Nas on uh, the, barbecue. the barbecue. Yep. You look at Red Man through EPMD's records. All of these dope rappers were kind of introduced through these big features with established rappers. Even Jay-Z with Jazzo. Yep. Exactly. So like you go down a list, this is how careers were built back then. Mm -hmm. Same thing for, uh, I guess MF doom, but he was Zev love X back then. And so basically gas face, that song was supposed to be the, the, the battery that made the label pump their shit into, you know, the next stratosphere. What ends up happening is that shortly thereafter that comes out right before the record comes out, his brother sub rock, gets killed you know in a pedestrian accident i think like crossing the street or something yeah crossing the street yeah um then on top of that they have these artwork problems with the label mm -hmm. and so for those of you who haven't seen the kmd album it had like a depiction a, a cartoon character uh of like a piccaninny whatever character being hung you know um black bastards was the name of the album like i own it on vinyl i think and mm -hmm. cd too but that was a reissue. It never came out officially back then. This was in 91, 92. I think it was supposed to come out. Mm -hmm. um, long story short, they end up getting dropped. You know what I'm saying? He, he experiences the, the politics of the industry firsthand. He's like, wow, this is pretty messed up. You know, all, all I had banking on this is gone. It got, gets dropped from the label 93. He doesn't reappear again until 97, mm -hmm. 98, stretching uh, on, on uh, Bobito stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And there's there's rumors of him popping up at ciphers and shit with the mask on, 
leading mm-hmm. into that but um there's a quote where he says uh he says he talks about coming back as mf doom and he says i needed another way to get a different point across the doom character is a little more serious than zev is he thinks deeper into things mm. and so you you look at it like this man realized quickly in the music industry that um typically especially on major labels you typically can only get one chance right you know like labels will look at you as like they'll look at you as like being played out even if your record never dropped yeah oh you were signed yeah you owe news yeah you owe news yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, but i never dropped so mm-hmm. and yeah. so and so it's a very what have you done for me lately kind of industry and you you combine that with the 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 i don't want to say uh controversial business practices mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll call it you know it's a scenario <laughs> where artists typically get one shot industry either exploits them you know and gets rid of them or they don't get a shot like he did not a true shot and then they're kind of done he saw this and what he did instead of trying to continue to push zev love x kmd thing up the hill he came back completely differently Yep. new identity new name yep. new style new sound all of it everything all was different it. yeah and one thing that people have to understand in the industry is that like there are rules in this music industry that also apply in the world of branding in general like on this on this podcast we've talked quite a bit about that book called uh 22 immutable laws of power mm-hmm. and one of the things it talks about in that book is uh line extension versus creating a new brand and it, it talks there's examples they give in there about like rc cola versus pepsi you know and how uh i think uh pepsi was like we want to make a root beer and when pepsi root beer but they found that when they just made a whole new thing mm-hmm. it, it took popped. off it popped without yeah. the pepsi name on it right without the coke name on it you know mr pitt popped um the same rule applies everywhere although artists sometimes it's hard for us to see it we don't want to kill our identities mm-hmm. our back catalog our mm-hmm. history it takes mm-hmm. a lot of balls to do that yeah like if someone say okay logic you got to stop being a logic tomorrow and start again you'd be like whoa <laughs> like hold up sir <laughs> i got a what you know how much work i put into this name decades yeah. right it's scary but doom did that Mm-hmm. doom said you know what fuck it man i have so much heartache and so much bad things associated with this with this old identity and this old thing and things i can't say showing my face like this so mm-hmm. i'm gonna come back with a mask on i'm gonna come back doing shit completely different and uh i'm gonna talk about all of this shit that happened mm-hmm. you know and uh i'm this this thing goes even deeper than that you know because i was just going through my bookshelf yesterday trying to find mm-hmm. like lessons on some of this thing and um this is one that's heavy and this is just an excerpt from 48 laws of power and it's called recreate yourself mm-hmm. law 25 and this is just the the opening segment of it and it's kind of summarizes why it worked for doom why doom was able to recreate himself so powerfully and and kind of get this powerful restart in the industry he had a, a very sharp understanding of this but the excerpt goes like this it says do not accept the roles that society foists on you. Recreate yourself by forging a new identity, one that commands attention and never bores the audience. Be the master of your own image, 
rather than letting others define it for you. Mm. Incorporate dramatic devices into your public gestures and actions. Your power will be enhanced and your character will seem larger than life. I wonder if he read that. <laughs> I mean, like it's like it sounds like the epitome of what Doom did when he came back with the mask on. Like it's I, the epitome of what it's the epitome of it. I had the like exact same question from, you just asked. I had that. Yeah, I like like, I, like you're wondering like <laughs> even the the you know because coming back as Doom, Doom is a villain. You know what I'm saying? So like. All of all of the things that that encapsulates just being a villain. You know what I'm saying? Like the reinvention because Zev Love X was fun, mm-hmm. smiling in the videos, <laughs> dancing <Yeah>. around. <laughs> now you coming back as a villain. Yeah. The complete yeah. opposite yep. of how you originally came into the world, into the industry. I'm, I'm wondering. He had to. <laughs> He had to like there's no like it doesn't make sense for him not to have that idea. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When he came back, like even if he had the idea to come back as something else before he read that, you know what I'm saying? Like even if he had the doom idea before, it's like, yo, this makes so much sense. This this lays it out. It's just like it's uncanny, right? Yes. Yes. Let me read a little bit more and, and I'll have to, let, let, you'll let me know what you think after this part, too. It says three ways to be the consummate chameleon. Number one, you must learn to enlarge your actions through dramatic techniques such as surprise, suspense, the creation of sympathy and symbolic identification. Mm. Number two, you must be constantly aware of your audience, of what will please them and what will bore them. Mm. N- number three. You must arrange to place yourself at the center to command attention and never be upstaged at any cost (laughs) because of his own. And so it goes into an example because of his own obsessive interest in drama. Julius Caesar was perhaps the first public figure to understand the vital link between power and theater. He sublimated this interest by making himself an actor and director on the world stage. Even while dying, he kept a sense of drama. Drawing the top of his gown over his face, he let go of the clothes lower part so that it draped his legs, allowing him to be covered and decent. According to the Roman historian Suetonius, his final words to his old friend Brutus was about to deliver the second blow were in Greek. And as if rehearsed for the end of the play, you too, my child. Understand this. The world wants to assign you a role in life. And once you accept that role, you are doomed. Your power is limited to the tiny amount allotted to the role you have selected or have been forced to assume. An actor, on the other hand, plays many roles. Enjoy that protean power. And if it is beyond you, at least forge a new identity, one of your own making, one that has had no boundaries assigned to it by an envious and resentful world. This act of defiance is Promethean. It makes you responsible for your own creation. Your new identity will protect you from the world precisely because it is not you. Hmm. It is a costume you put on and take off. You need not take it personally. And your identity sets you apart, gives you theatrical presence. Those in the back rows can see you and hear you. Those in the front rows marvel at your audacity. 
The Promethean task of the powerful is to take control of the process, to stop allowing others that ability to limit and mold them. Remake yourself into a character of power. Mm. Working on yourself like clay should be one of your greatest and most pleasurable life tasks. It makes you, in essence, an artist, an artist creating yourself. In fact, the idea of self-creation comes from the world of art. It's beautiful, man. <laughs> like just just the just looking at it from the perspective of an actor plays many roles. He had many different characters. He wasn't always just Doom. Yeah, yeah. He was we, King. What was it? Uh, King Geet. How do you pronounce it? Gidra. Gidra. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, all those things. Yeah. We go into that later. Yep. Yeah. Like all of that. Yeah. Like it's it's wild. It's really crazy to to really dig into that and then think about doom and it's like he had to read this he had to <laughs> i mean he if clearly he was a reader he clearly was yeah. a reader you know right but yeah this is uncanny as i was reading this i was like whoa mm -hmm. wow <laughs> it's next level man yeah it's next level because he straight up executed it in a beautiful way you know mm -hmm. um to all the creative people at home listening to this you know um Think about this. Many careers come to an end because maybe an idea has run its course. Right. Maybe an identity, maybe a way of looking at things has run its course. Uh, maybe certain things only give you one mode of expression. And maybe as long as the people around you only see you as that, you'll never be able to achieve anything outside of that. Right. It seems to me like Doom knew that and knew that in order to get this new message across and to be successful in what the industry was becoming, he had to become something different. Right. And, uh, you know, reinvention, that's that's the number one trait. Yeah, it's wild. Like us as artists, we're so scared of that. <laughs> yeah. We're so scared to do something different under a different name, <laughs> yeah. to do a different style, to do something different in order to reinvent ourselves because we're scared that we're not going to be accepted in the way that we were when we were that, you know, had that previous identity right right we're so afraid of that and when you reinvent yourself it takes a lot more work facts the facts. work has to go with the reinvention because if you're reinventing yourself then you don't have the accolades that your former self had exactly you know what i'm saying you don't have that that pillar to stand on oh i was you know in the third base video <laughs> right. you know what i'm saying because yep. now you can't see my face you don't know who i am yeah. So I got to be something completely brand new. I got to start from scratch. Yeah. Yeah. We scared of that, man. Oh, totally. Totally. I mean, and like we said before, it's it's uh, it takes a lot of balls to throw away all of that history that you could be leaning on mm -hmm. to make people automatically legitimize you and start something completely different and uh, and do what he did, you know, and, and many artists are scared of it. And, and he's a perfect example of like taking chances especially one that's as calculated as this mm -hmm. can work you yes. know so that's number one okay, we're gonna go to the number two you know thing you know behind you know the marketing genius of mf doom and that is being an idea not a person the mask this is one we talked about with run the jewels remember mm -hmm. yes we talked about how just the name run the jewels was an idea. Yes. 
the name by itself, forget Killer Mike, forget LP, the name meant something. It, mm-hmm. it had this rebellious spirit of like, we're coming to take some shit. We're taking over. You should be fearful, right? Like it's like an action. Mm-hmm. It, and and in, in, in that way, it becomes an idea. Yes. And then when you pair it with the symbolism, you know what I'm saying? The chain and the gun take, you know what I'm saying? It's like run the jewels. They're marketing. One of the most, you know, brilliant angles was that they are an idea to people now. Yeah. It, it's not that they're just two rappers. No. And the and fact they, that nobody, I mean, everybody knows what they look like, but they never put their face on their album covers either. Right. It's the symbol. It's see? the symbol. It's like the bat signal. Yeah. You, you know <laughs> what it means when you see it. <laughs> right, right. Even the bad guys who have never seen Batman know what the symbol means. Right. They've heard he kicks a lot of ass, mm-hmm. but then they don't know till he right on their head. They're like, oh, shit, that was yeah. Batman. Yeah. But they don't know, but they know the symbol. They know what yeah. it stands for. Similar to Run the Jewels, MF Doom did the same thing using the mask. See, yeah. he be, his idea was, I'm going to come back. Instead of being Zev Love X, this guy who you can see his face, I'm going to hide my face. But not only am I going to hide my face, I'm going to let you know from the beginning, I'm a villain. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to be honorable I'm just like all these other villains in this movie because most great villains have duality. Mm -hmm. They have good. They have bad. They do certain things and we may not understand their motivations, but the best villains, you get why they did it. You'd be like, you know what? I kind of feel why he did that. I mean, like, (laughs) right. I get him. I get him. I understand. Yeah. It's to the point point now where now they're making movies about villains. The Joker is the the entrance into a whole new era of understanding and celebrating the victim, um, the villains, which is like, okay, you get your own movie. Mm -hmm. Never before had that been the case. Like the villain was just kind of reserved and you had to kind of peep his duality. Mm -hmm. We didn't get his own shit. Doom was kind of like that. Doom was like the becoming a, 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 a character allowed him to just flip shit and say, I'm not. I'm not just a rapper anymore. I'm an idea. And also mm-hmm. to the further the idea, what is okay, so now you're an actor, you're a, you're an you're you're a symbol. Okay, well what do you stand for? And his whole shit was like, I came to fucking get revenge on the industry that did me wrong. Yeah, straight up. 10 years ago. Straight up. It's straight out of a fucking comic book. And pay them back <laughs> for what they did to the cold yeah. crush, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that was his whole thing. I'm enacting revenge on the music industry, and he and he took the character so personally and so, like even when the Doom posters were were happening. Yeah, a lot of people were. Some people were upset, but some people was like, "That's fucking genius because you're a villain." We <laughs> right. un- we understand. Yeah, like who else would do that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it got it, it became an idea so much that when we heard the news. It took us a while to even believe that it was real. Yeah. Just because Doom he's an idea. He's an idea. And you don't yes. know. You you never knew who was gonna be showing up playing the shows anyway, right? Exactly. It's very similar to uh the movie V for Vendetta. Mm-hmm. When you look at he started out a man, one man in a mask. By the end of the movie, the mask was now a symbol for right. everything he stood for. Right. This is a very similar thing with what Doom's done in the music industry in terms of, yeah, the mask is now just a symbol for his aesthetic, mm-hmm. for his mindset, for his approach to music, for how he dealt with the industry, 
for who he clearly was fighting against. And, and the unspoken word about like how he became the idea is that because he was the villain, there was this understanding that he knew he couldn't play fair to win in the industry. Right. Right. Like he couldn't have done what he did if he came back as the hero. Nah, not at all. You know, like there's certain things he did where it's like, you gotta be the villain to get away with that. You see the hero's face a lot of times. Yeah. You know who the hero, the hero wants accolades. They're accountable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he wasn't accountable to that shit. He was like, I'm the bad guy anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what you expect? You know what I mean? It's like the story of the frog and the scorpion. You know, mm-hmm. when the, yeah. frog, the scorpion, you know, asked the frog to take him across the, the river. Right. And then when he gets to the other side, the scorpion stings the frog and the frog's like, why'd you sting me? I just saved your life. And he's like, I'm a scorpion. <laughs> this is what I do. This is what I do. What'd you expect? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that's kind of how Doom was in the industry, man. And, uh, you know, I think that that was a, a key part of his marketing. And, and look at look at what was going on around him. Uh, the backdrop of all of Doom, uh, of Doom creating this this idea of who he was, not showing his face, becoming his character, this villain, is that it's happening against a backdrop where independent artists and musicians in general are becoming more and more accessible. Yes. Our whole movement, you look at like Weightless, Rhyme Sayers, Adept Jux, that per- we were like the personable guys. Mm-hmm. We were accessible. All of the social media shit made us people could reach right out and shake our hands. Yeah. That's just what's up, man. Good to meet you. Want to talk to us? Whatever. Doom did the opposite. Exactly. And because he did the opposite and said, I'm not going to be Daniel Dumas. I'm going to be this idea. I can't do what y'all do. I'm not going to be here shaking hands and signing autographs. Show comes. When I get off stage, I'm going out that back door straight to the hotel. Yeah. I ain't going to be at the merch table. You know what I mean? And he was allowed to get away with it because we knew, like you're saying, he's a villain. He's a villain. It's an idea. He came to get the money and get the hell up out of here like villains yep. do. He came to get the bag. <laughs> that's what it's supposed to be. And, you know, and, and I think that played a large part of his success. You know, that's that's a great branding strategy to go against what everyone else is doing. Yeah, because it makes you stand out. Like, that's one of the things about about being artists is we're always trying to find a way to stand out. We're always trying to find a way to, you know, for people to pay pay attention to us in a world that's especially in music in a world that's so oversaturated. Anyway. Yes. And even yes. when Doom was coming up, it was oversaturated already, too. Yeah. So he had to find something that would make him stand apart from everybody else. And it wasn't just rhyming good because he could rhyme. There, mm. There's no question about he could rhyme. <laughs> yep. But what would make him stand out? Yep. And he found it. Yep. He became one of one. Mm-hmm. None like him. Nothing like him. So that's number two. And so, well, uh, yeah, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. For the last year, I've been telling y'all that my new book is coming soon. It's coming soon. It's coming soon. Well, proud to announce that the new book is officially here and pre-ordering on waitlist.net. My new book is titled The 10 Traits of Successful Hip Hop Artists and will be released on Tuesday, October 13th. In the book, I use interviews, album lyrics, and anecdotes 
to reveal 10 key traits that are common among some of your favorite hip-hop artists of all time. From Jay Dilla to Rock Marciano to Evidence to Nipsey Hussle to the RZA to Slug to De La Soul and many, many others. This book reveals the secrets of how these artists have created successful careers. Not only that, it also explains how to develop those 10 traits if you don't have them already. That said, the book is pre-ordering right now on waitlist.net. If you rock with me, please order your copy right now. We've got some dope pre-order packages available for you. Thanks for your support. Back to the show. All right, folks. Back in the building. Super Dute. Mm -hmm. Tough work. The most infamous podcast on planet Earth. Live from Columbus, Ohio. Word. Hope y'all digging this. If you're listening to this uh, anywhere where there are comments, let us know. Hit us up on the gram. Let us know your thoughts about this episode. Your favorite little bullet point and such. You know, um, we hope that y'all dig these. We don't do these as often as we should, but this is uh, this is this is a great one to break down. Yes, yes, definitely is. And so let's uh, get to the third bullet point mm -hmm. about the marketing genius of MF Doom. And the third bullet point is what I will like to call organized confusion by organized confusion i'm referring to mf doom having multiple names multiple aliases uh throughout his career so if you look there's king D king ghidra obviously mm -hmm. mf doom yeah. metal face yeah. metal fingers the mm -hmm. villain mm -hmm. victor vaughn zev love x yeah mad villain mm -hmm. danger doom yeah um that's one two three four five <laughs> that's nine right there any um didn't he do the uh the czar face didn't they do a do one uh, too czar face? was he on that record he was he they did a czar face record with doom and i forget what it was called i think it had okay. Doom in it i want to say okay i didn't know that okay yeah so like i'm sure i'm forgetting something Mm -hmm. for you know so don't get offended at me for you know hardcore doom fans if i forgot some aliases or anything like that but i was watching an interview with him on his uh his uh, red bull interview which is yeah really dope one of the first questions they asked was was you know to him to explain the characters and what he basically said was that each character is all it's like an actor in a play and each character has their own unique characteristics uh and their own personality their own agenda things they want things that they struggle with and therefore each character each name gives him a different way to express himself and tell his story this is 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 super important because you know we spoke about uh what a lot of people do and a lot of artists struggle with in the industry and one thing they struggle with is like we saying, starting something different, mm -hmm. doing something under a different name, uh, doing something where you're you completely or it's a complete departure from what you typically do. Right. We don't see a lot of artists doing that, not even sonically. Once an artist got a couple records under their belt, they kind of stay in that little their lane, especially mm -hmm. if, it's, if it works and they're making money. You damn sure ain't gonna see no changes out of them. Right. Um, but what Doom did was what marketing books say you should do mm -hmm. like marketing books all the books i've read they say that the worst thing you can do is put your name on everything 
Yeah, be the same. Be the same. You know, like the first line of this book, it says, uh, it's called the law of extensions. And it says, the easiest way to destroy a brand is to put its name on everything. Mm. I'm gonna say that again for the people in the back. <laughs> the law of extensions is that the easiest way to destroy a brand is to put its name on everything. We've all been guilty of that. Yes. You know, and I've had issues uh, times in my career where I did it and I was like, I should have done this under a different name, mm -hmm. you know, um, from putting out instrumental records yep. early in my career when people were expecting me to rap mm -hmm. uh, to me putting out records where I'm singing on them and people expected me to rap. Mm -hmm. It's not that none of those records weren't dope. It's that it creates uh, confusion in the marketplace to people who come into it expecting one specific thing from you brand confusion yeah brand confusion right mm -hmm. doom brilliantly navigated all of that right from jump he mm -hmm. started with the mf doom and every time he came out he would introduce these different little characters different mm -hmm. little names who had a different little story to tell they have different people featuring on his records mm -hmm. you know he would collaborate with other people tell a story differently he would name that something different it was never mf doom and danger mouse right it was danger doom right right he didn't put his name on everything it was in it was incorporated in it but it wasn't another mf doom record even mm. though he was still rhyming on it all right mad villain you see what i'm saying like mm -hmm. that's he didn't put his name on everything he relied and he was comfortable putting everything in its own unique place and in doing so, it created such a crazy benefit versus the people who struggle with that, such as myself. And I'm the first mm -hmm. one to admit it. I'm gonna tell a story about like when I when it really hit me, but I didn't understand. Like we always say, I wish I'd have read some of these branding books earlier in my career, right? Um, but when I put out my chamber music record in 2004, mm -hmm. I had come off the Soul Position uh, EP, come off the Soul Position tour and album, right? Oh three. And then, um, Oh four, I wanted to, and also the weight room record, but that was a production record, a little bit more confusion there. Cause I had people mm -hmm. saying, we thought you were going to rhyme over this. Why is this a, who's all these other people rhyming over this? Yeah. You mm -hmm. got a couple solo songs, but, but I didn't do it under a different name. It was just a blueprint record. Right. Right. Market confusion, brand confusion. But then when I did my first uh, instrumental record chamber music, I had a publicist from, uh, the UK at the time. Like we had one here in the United States and one from the UK. And I don't even know if I ever told you the story, but um, basically the publicist dropped me because my record was getting so many bad reviews from people who expected me to rap. Mm. He basically was like, Print, I can't even work this record no more. Wow. I'm getting killed out here. Mm. People are all expecting you to rap and I'm sending them this record. It sounds like some bugged out Prince Paul shit. I think it's really good. You you know what I'm saying? You believe in it. But as soon as it gets to these people's hands, based on what you've done the last two, three years, they don't know what to fucking think. Mm -hmm. And so and so some of them are just like mad. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to shit on your record, which hurts my reputation as a publicist. Like that shit hurt. I was like, damn. Yeah. But see, I didn't know then what I know now. Right. Right. Th that maybe print you should have done it under a different name. Yeah. Maybe you should have built that because if you'd have started building in 04, 
maybe it would have been proper by now mm-hmm. you know so i put it off and looking at what doom did he did it from the beginning we instantly know what king Ghidra is right we instantly know who victor vaughn is mm-hmm. we know metal face we know danger we know this stuff because he didn't he, he he did it from the fucking beginning yeah from jump from jump you know and and that created so many more opportunities for him to to create things that worked completely separate from his main thing and not play out his main thing mm-hmm. you know uh the benefits of this approach uh word of mouth yeah curiosity yeah right like what's better than two people debating over whether you drop the new record under an alias or not mm-hmm. who's victor von i don't know yeah, who's oh, victor von yeah what that's doom really let me hear it y'all mm-hmm. and then it starts all of this thing where people are now having a new conversation about you right which is very hard to do in the music industry mm-hmm. you know second benefit you know it, he never watered down a doom name right because there weren't as many proper mf doom albums right you know number three no one knew what to expect <laughs> that was the best thing about it yeah that was the best thing about it because i i personally i'm not as big of a fan of king Ghidra. see <laughs> you know what i'm saying like I, I dig victor vaughn i'm big i'm a bigger fan of doom mm-hmm. but i'm not as big of a fan of king Ghidra and victor vaughn i'm not as big of a fan of him as i am of doom <laughs> right and i know in my head that this is the same person you know right. what i'm saying i know but in listening to the music, I understand the characters a little more yeah. because I listen to the music. I take the time to digest the music. So I don't like certain characters. <laughs> you know, it's just like in a movie. Yeah. You know, you yeah. know, Brad Pitt is playing this character. Yeah. And you don't like the You might you might still like Brad Pitt as an actor, <laughs> yep. but you might not like that character. Yep. Straight up. <laughs> That's how it is. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, you have to know that. He knew that going in. Exactly. Like, hey, I, I want some weird shit over here every now and again. I want to still be able to do that, but I don't want to fuck up the MF Doom sound with that. Mm-hmm. So let me just do something my weird shit under this Victor Vaughn thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to work with some other. Let me do it under this name. So if you like, you know, the Danger Doom thing, you got that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't like, the, uh, you know, Danger Mouse production, then don't worry. I'll be back with this thing over here later. Mm-hmm. You know, but all of this is brilliant marketing. Most artists have no idea what the benefit of having those different, you know, buckets is. Right. They just think that everything I do has to automatically be put under my name. Mm-hmm. And there's no way that uh, I can I can can push all these different sounds without this main thing. And it's like, yeah. nah, man. He put on pretty much like a master class in line uh, 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 and creating new brands as opposed to line extension. And uh, it's brilliant, man. Yeah, it's super brilliant. And it's scary because like, <laughs> I've I mean, like I personally I'm working on some different things and I've been thinking yeah. about should I put this because should I put this under a different name? Yeah, because it's not. Yeah, it's not technically the logic brand. Yeah. With what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So should I? But then I'm scared to take that step. <laughs> but you're not alone. Of, right. 
Yeah, because I know. I mean, I, I I know I know the things that you've been dealing with over the years. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a hard thing, man. It's a hard thing. Yeah, yeah, that fear paralyzes us, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think you know, and that's that's some reason why you know I did a couple instrumental records, and that's something I've been really thinking about with my instrumental mm-hmm. projects. Like when I get back to putting out these instrumental records, why don't I just try to put them out under a different name? Yeah, that's what I've been thinking with my instrumental project that I'm trying to I'm working you know, on and some other projects that I'm working on that are outside of my normal purview. Yeah. It's like, why not? If people are going to like it, they're going to like it. Right. Right. But the, the brand confusion that you create, like the worst thing to me is someone clicking on a record of mine and expecting me to be spitting. And it hit me like, yo, you wasn't even rapping on there though. Like, yeah, like, damn. Yeah. It's a blueprint record. What you doing over here? Yeah. <laughs> no. Like, dog, it's just beats. We want to hear that shit. You know, and I'm just like, ah, I got to explain yeah. this shit to y'all. Mm-hmm. But it's my fault. Yeah, it's not their fault. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. We created a brand. Yep. We created brands. Our names are brands. Yes. And there's expectations that come with that brand facts. And if we don't fulfill those expectations, we can't be mad when people are upset. We can't be mad that they don't like it. Come on. Because they expect what comes with the brand. If you buy something that has the Coca-Cola name on it and it don't <laughs> taste like Coca-Cola, then you're not going to yeah. be happy. <laughs> Shit tastes like grape soda. You know? <laughs> right. You're not going to be happy, bro. You be pissed off. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, and that, and that's the that's the struggle, but that's the beauty, you know. And, and I'm glad we're breaking this down because some people may have never even known how that we feel that way about our own careers, you know, yeah. about side projects we have. Because I have a very, I've always been very eclectic in the music I've done, you know, from mm-hmm. producing for yous, different than mine stuff. And mm-hmm. but I've always struggled with that. This and, is giving me confidence, though. Straight up, like doing this episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hell yeah, but I'm, I'm, I think I'm gonna do that. And what can what can what can hurt to try? Right. Right. right? Especially if it's something different yeah. and outside of what you normally do. Why not? Yeah. Why not? You're taking a chance anyway, doing something new and different anyway. Thank you. Thank you. You know, so yeah, that was number three. Okay. Let's get down to the fourth mm-hmm. bullet point, you know, about the genius marketing of MF Doom. And the fourth point is that Doom made the industry work. For him yes now i like to call this the rizza technique mm-hmm. and so i'm gonna read an excerpt this is this is an excerpt of an interview that i had from the rizza it didn't fit my book but i had always loved a quote and as i was doing some research for this episode this thing popped right into my mind and so this is this is uh an excerpt of a uh interview from rizza from like 96 or 97 or something and they're basically asking him, like, what was he seeing in the industry and how did that impact his approach to it when he came back? Because let's remember, the RZA mm-hmm. had a record deal as Prince Rakim yes. that didn't go well before Wu-Tang. And reinvented the, itself. The, right. The Jizza mm-hmm. had a record deal, his cousin, right, or whatever, mm-hmm. before the Wu-Tang Clan that didn't go well. Mm-hmm. So very similar to mf doom right so i'm gonna read this excerpt of what the rizzo was saying uh, about their return and how we wanted to do it different he says my idea was to have the industry work for me 
because I had a bad experience in the music industry back in 1989 with the Prince Rakim and Tommy Boy thing. It's always whoever's hot. The record company wants to model you to that person. 1990-91, who was the hottest MC in the world? MC Hammer, Young MC, those type of guys. And I'm from New York and we not like that, know what I mean? We can't dance a leg, yo. So when I came in with a whole album of crazy hardcore music, I made one song for the girls based on my own thing. It was a bad decision. Jizza mm-hmm. was facing the same decision at Cold Chillin'. So when I came back in 1992, 93, I had my own idea. I understood how the game worked. I'd been around a lot of rappers just from being in the industry. I'd been around people from Karis one to Chuck D, Big Daddy Kane. I'd seen egos that came with it, the mentalities. I also seen the mistakes they was making. I had a friend of mine. His name was Prince Paul, one of the producers of our time, who was the only person who took the time to talk to me, work with me and show me things and tell me information that I needed to know. It was his information that taught me, you know what? I'm going to try it this way. I'm going to switch it up. So when I finally did sign the Wu-Tang Clan at Loud Records, I was thinking in my mind, yo, we're going to give you the group, but you can't have the individuals because I explained it to him. It would be hard for him personally. These guys will come up here and tear this office up because it ain't enough money for everybody. So just <laughs> let us do our thing. You do your thing and we'll go. And it's going to help you and it's going to help us. And it's going to help everybody. My plan was to get the industry to work for me, to have Def Jam, who was in competition with Loud Records, who was in competition with Elektra and Jeffin Records, to work, to all work for the sound of Wu-Tang, work for hip hop, and eventually work together because they don't work together. For some reason, it's like, who got the bigger balls? One year, they all did work together. The first year that they all did work together on a campaign was 1995. All four major labels combined and formed the Wu-Tang family tree and put in all the retail stores across the country. Each label doubled their sales. And even for the first album called Enter the 36 Chambers, which was two to three years old, it had a 40 to 60 percent spike in sales based on that move. That was my goal. I achieved it, I think. Crazy, right? Geniuses, man. Genius. And and if you look at what the RZA was saying, how he got these labels to work together, what he basically did was he didn't commit to any one of them long term. Right. Right. Now, look at what Doom did. Fondalum Records. Mm -hmm. Stone's Throw Records. Lex Records. Epitaph Records, mm-hmm. Rhyme Sayers Records, mm-hmm. Electra Records, mm-hmm. all these different labels spending marketing dollars on a specific Doom alias. Yeah, the industry was working for MF Doom. Right. He he didn't work for the music industry. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like when you break it down, like because. Honestly, I've never thought of it in this way either. Yeah. You know, breaking it down the way that it's being broke down today. Yeah. Like you you don't think of all these things working in conjunction, but 
as as they're being broke down, you see like, oh, what? yeah, he did do that. <laughs> oh, shit. He did do that. Yeah. Oh, fuck. He did that, too. Like all of this stuff works together. And that's why Doom is Doom. Yeah. That's why yeah. you got Seth Meyers on NBC late night asking Killer Mike about MF Doom <laughs> and saying he's one of my favorite MCs. What's your thoughts on MF Doom? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like one of the whitest dudes in the fucking United States. In the- yeah. <laughs> you know, everybody. Yeah. Was a Doom fan for for some reason or the other. Yeah. Like Doom learned just like the RZA learned, just like the Jizza learned that when you go into these these situations and you put everything into one major label deal, if it doesn't go right, you're done. Mm-hmm. And just how just like the RZA had to reinvent himself, the genius and the Wu-Tang. MF Doom had to do the same thing, but they could he could not be loyal to any label anymore. Right. Because he saw I know how y'all are. Y'all ain't shit. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just give y'all one joint. He would brag about, I did only did this for the advance on the records. Mm-hmm. He had lines about that. Yeah. I just did this for the back end. I just did this for the front end. He, he was the villain. He was he just was telling villain. you. He was telling yeah. you. He was sticking these labels up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> oh, man. You know, and I'm going to read another quote from uh, 48 Laws of Power. And uh, this is uh, not commit to anyone. And it says, it is the fool who always rushes to take sides. Do not commit to any side or cause but yourself. By maintaining your independence, you become the master of others, playing people against one another, making them pursue you. Mm. Uh, yeah, there's a lot there, man. And um, But again, that's another joint where like, the parallel between what he did and what's in that book is uncanny. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like, it's, I don't, I don't know, bro. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Yo. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like it's, it's one of those things like now, now it's going to make me listen to doom in a completely different way. Yeah. Yeah. Understanding this and breaking this down like this. Now, when you go to the different aliases, yeah it's it's a whole it's man's fucking crazy man yeah like listen this is blowing my fucking mind (laughs) (laughs) blowing my fucking mind yeah yeah feed discourse says do not commit to anyone but be courted by all if you allow people to feel they possess you in any degree you lose all power over them by not committing your affections they will only try harder to win you over stay aloof Mm. and you gain the power that comes from their attention and frustrated desire play the virgin queen give them all hope but never satisfaction you must learn a tricks that will enhance your image emanate mystery and desirability never discouraging anyone's hopes but never yielding how many labels wanted to sign him to multi-album deals you come on man never you already know right you already know when you hold yourself back you incur not anger but a kind of respect you instantly seem powerful because you make yourself ungraspable rather than succumbing to the group or the relationship as most people do. As your reputation for independence grows, more and more people will come to desire you, wanting to be the one who gets you to commit. The moment you commit, the magic is gone. Right. You you become like everyone else. People will try all kinds of underhanded methods to get you to commit. They will give you gifts, shower you with favors, 
all to put you under obligation. Accept the gifts and favors if you so desire, but be careful to maintain your inner aloofness. You cannot inadvertently allow yourself to feel obligated to anyone. Encourage the attention, stimulate their interest, but do not commit at any cost. The goal is not to put people off or make it seem that you are incapable of commitment. You have to bend to their attention occasionally, then, but never too far. Desire is like a virus. If we see that someone is desired by other people, we tend to find this person desirable too. Like the Virgin Queen, you need not stir the pot, excite interest. Oh, you need to stir the pot, excite interest, and lure people with the possibility of having you. Wow. He read the whole book, man. <laughs> he studied it. He had to. Come on, man. He had to. Come on. There's no way the parallels are so... I'm, I mean, come on. Come on. It's crazy, right? <laughs> come on. Doug, I was going through this shit, you know, because I this is a, I actually like legit have been. I mean, you can tell by my notes. I've been preparing for this joint mm-hmm. and I'm going through it. I'm just like, wow. Yes, this could this could literally be a whole book. Yes. Just the stuff like how deep this stuff goes and mm-hmm. you you compare like his actions and how we handle things like you could legit write a book about just this this thing that we're covering today. That's crazy. It's crazy. He mastered it. All those labels spending marketing dollars on him. He didn't give none of them no more than one record. Two none. records. None. You know? I'll get two. That's it. One or two. You know what I mean? And he was serious about his money. Why you think there wasn't no more mad uh, mad villain records? Exactly. Couldn't get the money he he, he demanded. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he should have. Because he, cause he yeah. should have. That record was huge. He At was going to make it back. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. was going to make it back. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, but yeah, so that's number four. Okay, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. If you've been listening to the podcast recently, then you know I've been working on a brand new book that I hope to have out in the next couple of months. But in the meantime, I'm here to let you guys know that all three of my first books are back in stock at waitlist.net. That means Adventures in Counterculture book, back in stock. Word is blog, back in stock. And my most recent book, What a Night, a book about the worst shows of my career, is back in stock. All back in stock. And you can get all three of those for just $25 on waitlist.net. Once again, all three of my books are available for just $25 on waitlist.net. Back to the show. All right, folks. Yeah. We back. I hope y'all are digging this episode. This one might be a little longer than usual, but I hope you I think y'all are gonna get a lot out of this you know we ain't done a long one in a while anyway yeah we've been on we've some been 45 30 yeah we've been keeping it short so yeah. you know they 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 in yeah we're gonna hit y'all with this opus you know what i mean mm-hmm. so y'all know what super duty do mm-hmm. all right man so we we got number five number five thing you know uh bullet point that we want to talk about for the genius marketing of mf doom is third person writing <laughs> now the first time, like I always kind of peeped it, but I never, re- I remember the first discussion I had about this was mm-hmm. on tour in 2004 with Idea and Abilities. And we were yeah. talking about MF Doom. And Mikey was like, yo, the shit that's the freshest about him is that he's, he always writes in third person. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was, I've, I've I done pe- this before, but I don't have characters to talk about. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I say he and things, and I'm talking about myself, but right. I don't have characters with names. 
yeah, man. to talk about. Yeah, like if you go through, and I challenge those at home to go through and pull up your favorite verse, MF Doom verse, you know, from Genius or whatever, and look mm-hmm. at the lyrics. And what you're going to see is that he almost never uses the word I in his writing. He typically preferred to write in third person. And mm-hmm. we talked about earlier because he was an idea, because he had established these characters, it brung this entire world together it was he was like the narrator right he was narrating his own characters that he created Mm -hmm. and that kind of gave it almost like a comic book marvel universe kind of feel like this guy is telling us what this dude is doing and what he's going through and what he's seeing but Mm -hmm. he's never saying i right we never see his face Mm -hmm. we just know the mask right and and this this is important because think about how few writers in um, hip hop uh, write in third person. Right. Everything in hip hop is about, I fucked this broad. <laughs> I drank the beer. Yeah, I, I, went on, I went on tour. I smacked this dude. I shot up the club. It's mm-hmm. I, 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 I. Which is the point where like, you know, dudes are snitching on themselves, going, going to jail for all this first person testimony they doing on their albums facts and so when you listen to doom's story he has a separation because of the use of third person very rarely do you hear i and i'm just gonna read off you know like um this is this is all caps for example Mm -hmm. i'm gonna read these lyrics and i want y'all to listen to this at home and you're gonna know that listen to the very few times he talks about himself and how many times he talks about third person you know um so so nasty that it's probably somewhat of a travesty having me daily told the people you can call me your majesty keep your battery charged you know it won't stick stick yo and it's not his fault you kick slow should have let your trick hold chick hold your sick glow plus nobody couldn't do nothing once he let the brick bow and you know i'm i'm that's and you know i'm that's well you know that's a bunch of snow uh the beat so butter peep the slow cutter as he uttered the calm flow, mm-hmm. don't talk about my moms, yo. Sometimes he rhyme quick. Sometimes, Sometimes he rhymes slow. slow. Or vice versa. Whip up a nice slice of verse pie. Hit it on the first try. Villain, the worst guy. Third person. Mm-hmm. Spot hot tracks like spot a hot, spot a pair of fat asses. Shots of the scotch from out the square. Shot glasses. And he won't stop till he got the masses and show them what they know. Uh, through the flows of hot molasses, do it like the robot to head spin the boogaloo. Took a few minutes to convince the average boogaboo. It's ugly, like the look, like the look at you. It's a damn shame. Just remember all caps when you spell the man's name. Blah 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 blah. You get the gifs here though, right? Yeah, but all caps when you spell the man's name. He didn't say when you spell my name. See? When you spell the man's name. The man's name. Yeah. The man's name. Same thing. Go through any of his verses at home. You'll find like this. There was maybe one I in there, one mm-hmm. me in there. And, yeah. and and that is is brilliant marketing because it drives home this concept. He it's like staying in character when you're an actor. You know, the test of acting to us is rhyming. That's how we play out and tell our stories and take on these roles and, and talk about uh, what we're doing. He stayed in the doom character yeah. so much so that he barely would say I. It wasn't I to him. 
You know what I'm saying? Like the most villainous stuff he was doing was he did that. Yeah, I, I'm not doomed. <laughs> He's doomed. He did that. Yeah, that's doomed. That's Victor. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not doomed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's wild. It's wild, man. But that allowed him to stand apart, you know, from all of his contemporaries. There's, you look, there's really not a single person who writes like Doom. Right. And all of hip hop. And and that's because of that. Yeah, he's got the the, the clever wordplay, and he's got the references, and he's clearly well read, and he's technically a dope rapper with a dope voice, right? He's mm-hmm. got all of those things, but this is something that no one else has managed to do because they don't have the whole thing behind it. Yeah. They don't. You can't just jump in and do this without the personas, without all of the the things that people see you as like a villain the mass the separation you have to have to rhyme third yeah. person not just technically but to have these stories all mapped out and look at them as separate from yourself yeah because even on the mad villain record he refers to to mad villain as them yeah most of the time not on us. the record yeah not us yeah it's them <laughs> or he refers to mad villain as the name mad villain yeah yep he he, he hardly ever says i yeah. or he you know what i'm saying like like it's it's really dope because even in the intro, like how he introduces all of the characters that's gonna be part of the show. Yeah, because he says Quasimodo's in the house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm your host, the yeah. supervillain. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he says King Ghidra's in the house, yeah. Victor Vaughn. Like he introduces <laughs> all of the characters. Yeah, so you already know. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's dope. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and for those of you at home, it's just it's a it's a good lesson in branding because you do want to think about this stuff in terms of like, what am I doing that separates me from my peers? Mm-hmm. Because guys like Doom, you listen to this. This is not an accident. Right. This is someone who really understood how to set himself apart. And he had a philosophy for how to do that. And then when he got on records and when he picked up the pen, he executed it. Yeah. How he wrote was a reflection of his philosophy uh, for how he wanted to build himself up and what he wanted to present to the people. And he built his own universe. It was almost like a Marvel universe of characters, of heroes and villains uh, for him to kind of use and tell stories. But Mm -hmm. it wasn't I did this because I can only do so much. Right. You know, like if I tell you I went skydiving, if I tell you I robbed a bank, you might be thinking Blueprint ain't robbed no bank. This dude be making beats all day and podcasting. Right. But I tell you, he robbed it. Mm-hmm. Prentnificence robbed that bank. I didn't rob no banks. Mm-hmm. I was at the crib. Prentnificence, though, he wild. He wild boy. <laughs> he wild boy. <laughs> he be out there in the streets. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do it. It was him. <laughs> you know, but yeah, that's number five. Okay, number six, and this is the last official one, and I hope y'all are getting something out of this, you know, the the marketing genius of of MF Doom. And uh, the number six thing uh, that uh, the bullet point about him is his unique sampling style. Yes. This was the thing that jumped out to him immediately, uh, that separated him immediately upon first listen. You got to understand that let's go back to the mid-90s. Early mm-hmm. ni- uh, late 90s. Mm-hmm. This is the keep it real era of hip hop. 
There have Timberlands. Nev- Timberlands. You yeah. got to be using the original records. You mm-hmm. got a sample from this thing. You got to use these breaks. You got to use that. We were in a in a in a point in time where there were a lot of unspoken rules in hip hop. Right. We all were policed by them, whether we knew it or not. You can mm-hmm. do this. You can't do that. You can do that. Oh, y'all can't do that on stage. You know, you can't do that on record. Like all these rules. And here comes this guy, MF Doom, not showing his face. And what mm. is he doing? He's sampling 80s R&B, <laughs> 90s I, R&B. Blatantly. Blatantly. <laughs> records that we used to dance to at the prom. Mm-hmm. Like records that used to be on, you know, uh, uh, late night, uh, what they call it? Quiet Storm Radio. <laughs> yeah, the Quiet Storm. The Quiet Storm. You know what I mean? <laughs> Listen to slow jams. He was making mm-hmm. beats out of slow jam tapes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not even using drum breaks. Another element of this thing. He was not like in hip hop. The rule was, okay, you, you got to use breaks. You know, if you're going to use that and peace the president, you got to go to impeach the president. Right. You don't go to the drums off of Primo sampling and peace the president on unbelievable and looped right. unbelievable drums that have impeach the president in them and, and rap over that. Right. That's against the fucking rules. Mm-hmm. Doom did all that shit. Yeah. He didn't care. He'd steal your drums and he never stole your breaks. If you program the drums as original, he'd take your program drums. <laughs> <laughs> Samples in them and all. Yep. Didn't care. If it had a vocals, I'm taking that. Taking mm-hmm. that. You know, like me and me and Groove refer to, to those types of records as your mama's records. <laughs> Doom, right. Doom made a whole classic album out of his mama's records. Yep. And so I'm going to read down some of these samples just off of Operation Doomsday. This is basically in order. So let's mm-hmm. start with the first track, Doomsday. Sade sample. Then you got the drums from BDP, You're Slipping. <laughs> right. Looped up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they programmed them. He just looped them. Took them from them. Mm-hmm. It's not even a break. Rhymes like dimes. Find 100 ways. James Ingram. Yeah. We know that one. Yeah, yeah one of I just most- listened to that. I just listened to Rhymes Like Dimes and listened to the James, and it it just amazes me how he hooked it up. I can't believe he heard it to this day. Every yeah. time I hear that, I'm like, "How did you hear that?" Right. I would have never thought. Yeah, because it's the rules. It's like you don't be chopping yeah. up no solo and no James Ingram record. Mm-hmm. No one even wants to admit they like that song. Right. Let alone, I'm gonna make some fire to it. Yeah. That's the, so track three, the finest SOS mm-hmm. band, eighties R and B. This is my mm-hmm. brother's R and B records. Like, come on, man, <laughs> just be good to me and the finest. You know what I mean? It's like the finest drums. He just looped that shit up a couple different parts. Go with the flow, the spinners, mm-hmm. and then the drums are Coogee rap, truly yours <laughs> drums. He just yeah. took them. They got a the, the drums already had a vocal sample in them that said, Oh, here we go. Let's go with the flow. Did he take it out? No, he did not. <laughs> he the villain. He left the here we go. Let's go with the flow from Kooji Rap Truly. He left that whole intro of theirs in there. And then he just threw the spinners on top of it. And it just sounds fly. Mm-hmm. Red and gold. He sampled RB group, 80, 90s RB. The deal, Babyface's original group. Uh, shoot 'em up movies is the name of the song. I met my baby at the bing, bing, pop, pop, shoot 'em up movies. Uh, but it sounds fly. Mm-hmm. See, 
I was raised at a time where I thought we wasn't allowed to do this. Yeah, man. I, I, I even to this day, since I'm new, there's still certain records that I'm like, can I sample this? <laughs> like, am I allowed to do this? Yeah. Because I got all these records. Uh-huh. I just didn't think I was allowed to sample the deal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, then you got Hey, which is the Scooby-Doo sample. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, man. You put me on, man. I'm so glad you put me on. <laughs> like, for all y'all that don't know, Blueprint put me on to Doom. I was not fucking with Doom. I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. And he playing this 12 inch. It was it had hay on it. It had gas draws on it. And I want to say rhymes like dimes, maybe. Yeah, I don't even know. I had all this shit though. I had all the find them singles. <laughs> the vinyl. Yeah, man, like, yeah, yeah. Yo, like when I heard hey. Yeah. Yeah. That beat. Man. What? <sighs> yeah, man. Uh the next track, the mic. I don't know mm-hmm. the sample on this one, but the drums are the microphone theme samples from the outro microphone theme by Eric B and Rakim. The boom boom. The, 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 mic, the, 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 the microphone. <laughs> I didn't even know that. <laughs> See, now that I now I, now I'm thinking about it because I just listened to the album yesterday. Yeah, that is the drums. Yeah, oh, yeah. Fuck. With the he left the vocal sample and the, the, the mic, the mic, the mic, the mic, the microphone thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's still in there. He just takes the thing part out. You know, and then you got Dead Bit, which is this, the Atlantic Star Group. Uh, always, I will love you so mm-hmm. always. And then he hits you with the uh, Isaac Hayes walk on by sample sped up to 45. Then he comes with, you know, drums from BDP, Super Ho, Super Ho drums from BDP's first record. You know, their program drums, he just looped them up. And that's where he gets the Super, because he's, and they, they use mm-hmm. it. Their so called Super Ho because they had that sample, Super and he just kept the super in there and, and kept their super. drums yeah. yeah he is a super right and so like that's just one record but that record broke so many damn rules that you had to talk about it right nothing sounded like that when I heard that my mind was blown like damn how was he getting away with this <laughs> right and it's so dope it's so good like yeah, it's so good I would I'd be throwing these records away not buying them never mm-hmm. thinking this is this whole style by itself yeah if you would just let go of these rules and that's one of the biggest gifts of doom it's like yo the ability to think outside of the box to make some shit that other people wouldn't he's got a right. billion uh examples of this in his catalog where he's just jacking drums off of somebody's program drums leaving certain parts in there to where it sounds kind of sloppy and offbeat taking a sample that you never would have thought and it just sounds fucking cold as shit yeah and uh it created a whole new style and and it immediately made it to where you could not compare him to anyone facts it's like there's not a single motherfucker you can say oh hey doom he sounds like no to this day who sounds like doom no one no one <laughs> it takes such a unique combination to do all these things he did uh and do them all at a level that just was like the execution is crazy you know so that's like the six points we got planned let me see what time we got i'm gonna try to sneak in we got a couple bonus joints i'm gonna hit y'all mm-hmm. with though for the people at home you know um let me think so this ain't no super long joint okay we got a couple more minutes all right so this is gonna be number seven but this is a bonus and the, the number seven bullet point uh, behind the marketing genius of MF Doom is the cultivation of the air of mystery. Facts. And as we mentioned earlier, we came up at a time when like 
rappers were unknown. Like our the rappers we grew up, we never really got to meet EPMD or mm-hmm. or Rakim. We never yeah. we barely saw interviews with them. It might have been a little thirty second interview in Rap City. There were no long form interviews on anybody. Mm-hmm. Now the thing though is like like we said, by the time Doom emerges, industry is changing. The yeah, internet got to show their face. Everybody got to show their face. <laughs> everybody show their face. What social media you on? I'm gonna follow you there. Everybody's telling mm-hmm. their story. Everybody's telling as much as possible to connect with fans. Mm-hmm. In the midst of all of this, Doom cultivated an air mystery because he basically did what all the rappers did when he first started. Right. Which was, I'm not gonna be accessible like them. I'm not gonna tell y'all my intentions. I'm not gonna tell y'all when the album coming out. You just gonna see a release date, mm-hmm. or it's gonna be in the stores. I'm not going to tell you who I'm in a studio with. You got to guess. I'm not going to tell you producing it. I'm going to tell you who guest featuring on it. I'm just going to do it. You're going to fucking like it or not. Mm-hmm. And this shit created like a, a air of mystery that when you look at it against a greater backdrop of what we do makes them stand out even more. Yeah. It's genius in a, in a, in a, in an environment where everybody is always telling and exposing more about themselves. He went the opposite direction. Yeah. Cause it, it got to a point where you didn't know when it was going to happen, but when you saw doom's name, you play, you press play. Yep. That's you don't know what it is. You don't know who produced it. You don't know nothing, but you know, it's doom. Yep. I'm about to press play <laughs> and see what's going on. Yep. <laughs> yeah. He cultivated that. Yeah. He cultivated that. And, and he would not have had that had we been hanging on his every word on social media. Yeah. Like, I don't think he ran any of his social media profiles. I don't think he ever really gave anything personal about himself, which is like probably why the news of his passing was so weird. Mm-hmm. Because typically someone will make an official statement when it happens. It won't be kind of cryptic. It'll be like, hey, he died today of this, you know, X, Y, Z, you know. The uh, fact that he could pass away three months ago. Yeah, nobody fucking. And nobody knew. Nobody told. Nobody said nothing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I'm sure people knew. Yeah. But they protected that because the idea. Yeah. I mean, he could walk around without his mask on and nobody recognized him. Yes. I think I saw him do it a couple times where I was like, yo. Somebody, I was standing next to him. I think we might have been at like one of the sound set shows. Mm-hmm. And I think he had showed up and uh, he didn't have his mask on at some point. And like some promoters or something was in there. And somebody was talking. It was like, yo, we are so excited to see him at Doom. And they're talking to everybody like they don't know Doom's. <laughs> He's standing right there. Yeah, they don't know. No idea. That shit gave him a sense of peace to be able to mm-hmm. walk the streets being that popular. Nobody would know like, oh, no, that's him. Without the mask, people wouldn't think. They couldn't figure it out, man. You know, the air of mystery. And the last bonus is the collaborations. Collaborations. You know, the, the he didn't do a lot of like producer collaborations. People do so, you know, the Mad Libs and Danger Dooms. Right. Like he fucked with big, big producers. But you got to look at it when he already has a universe of characters that people are interested in seeing and hearing, and he's doing different records sonically among those characters one of the dopest things he can do to expand his universe so to speak is to collaborate with a mad lib right to collaborate with another producer 
Did he need those other producers, so to speak? No, nah, not necessarily. But it's not about need. It's about like creating something more powerful. And the thing that made it dope with Mad Lib is Mad Lib had his own host of characters. Yes. You know they what I'm saying? Kindred so that, spirits. That, yeah. So that made it so much more fresh. Like, like I was talking about earlier, like he was saying, like yesterday's new quintet is here. Like yeah. all these different things that Mad Lib had under mm-hmm. his umbrella. Yeah. You know, like they were very much kindred spirits, which is why. Mad Villain is probably one of his most popular projects because he got with somebody that understood him. Yeah. In yep. that way. Yeah. And it made it so much more thing. powerful. Yep. Yeah. Quasimodo, all of that. Yeah, man. So like those things, you know, some of us, you know, the, the collaboration thing is like, you have to understand that when you do collaborations that people are excited about, it expands, it expands your universe, expands your fan base. You know, it gets people to hear you doing something different than you would normally do. And like mm-hmm. we said, Mad Lib and MF Doom's careers were d- defined by that already. By right. doing records, you know, Loot Pack record, uh, fucking uh, Quasimodo records, Yesterday's New Quintet. Uh, like these are just aliases, things that he was doing. And uh, doing the, the Mad Villain record just gave him another one, yeah. you know, and it gave Doom another one in a way to expand his fan base and to bring together two fan bases who kind of probably were already fucking with each other. You know, just due to their similarity, being rhymers and producers and it coming together and making this fucking classic record together. And um, it just blew up. It blew up. And, um, you know, that that's it. That's a beautiful episode. (laughs) That's it, man. You know, so if you're at home, you know, let us know in the comments what y'all think. If this is your first time checking us out, let us know what y'all think. Please go back. We invite y'all to go back and listen to some of our older episodes. Check out our uh, run the jewels breakdown check out any of our stuff man if you're independent artist or creative in any way this podcast is for you um wow. so i'm gonna read back these things number one was reinvention number two hold on my mouse is slipping here number two was being an idea and not a person number three was organized confusion different aliases multiple names number four we made the industry work for him Number five, third person writing. Number six, unique sampling style. Number seven, which is the bonus joint, an air of mystery. And number eight, bonus joint, collaborations. Yeah. So that's it for this week, man. I hope y'all dig this episode, man. Uh, you know, it was our pleasure to try to present this and, you know, go listen to some MF Doom and, and hopefully this will make y'all listen to it a little bit differently. <laughs> Definitely you know, for me. And, and hear some things in it that you wouldn't have heard otherwise. So uh, we appreciate y'all and thank right. you. Peace. All right. Peace. Thank you for listening to Super Duty Tough Work. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Follow the podcast on SoundCloud. Peace. I got styles already that's more complex that nobody know about. I mean, super duty tough work. (laughs)